The word of the Lord, according to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the Holy Trinity. Me? A sinner? Send me? The death of King Uzziah. King Uzziah, also known as Azariah is a historical figure in the annals of kings who was both heroic and tragic for the Judean people. He was a magnificent young man that took the throne of his father, the king of Judah, Amaziah, in the 8th century BC. His accomplishments were on par with the greatest kings of Judah and Israel. He expanded the border of Judah by defeating the Philistines with the help of God and brought the Ammonites into subjugation by tribute. He built up the military and even made engines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. He cut out cisterns deep enough to water large herds, irrigate vineyards, and reclaim the desert for rich farmland. His prosperity and potential for more was without limit, for he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and the Lord helped him. But Uzziah would prove that even a saint can become a sinner. When Uzziah grew strong, he also grew pride. Indeed, inward pride is a difficult sin to overcome, and one by which Satan effectively manipulates our focus away from God. Our successes trick us into believing that we were actually responsible for it and should get credit for it. Satan soothingly whispers in our ears, You see, you're better than them, and you can do what you want. And we listen. We listen because it's exactly what we want to hear. And that's when we quit hearing Jesus and even forget that we need him at all.
The suffering we experience without our Savior is illustrated well by Uzziah's demise. Uzziah thought he could do what he wanted. And he wanted to take the place of the priest and burn the incense in the holy place. Maybe it was the last rung on the ladder of ultimate power. He controlled the enemies of Judah. He controlled and tamed the wilderness for agriculture. And he even controlled the security of the people for the next generation to come. With his eyes on the temple, maybe he saw it as the last holdout that wasn't under his control. So Uzziah entered the temple, desiring to burn incense in the holy place, only to be prevented by the priest. King Uzziah's anger with the priest caused God to strike him for his arrogance. That's it, you're probably all thinking. Really, all he did was trying to burn incense? Why would God strike him for that? Well, the dynamic equivalent of that today might go something like this. Imagine, if you will, the governor of the state coming to church. And for the purposes of this illustration, let's just say he is a Lutheran and believes what we believe. But right in the middle of the service, he thinks to himself, Self, you've been a pretty good governor. You've managed the state well and accomplished all you need to accomplish. I think it's time to look beyond my normal boundaries. And when it comes time for communion, he marches right up and says something to the effect of, I am the governor and hereby authorize myself to administer the sacrament. Now, suppose Paul and Jeff are elders on duty and Brian is the liturgist for the day. Brian, being a retired deputy, Jeff a retired policeman, and Paul, being just about the toughest guy I've ever met, they all take one look at the governor and lock arms, saying, ah, 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 back to the pew. Only Pastor does that. Well, that right there gives you a pretty accurate picture of what was happening in the minds of the priests that stood up to King Uzziah. Well, it turns out God was quite offended by Uzziah as well and decided it was time to effectively take away his authority by striking him with leprosy. His son, Jotham, took over the administration of the kingdom until the prophecy of today at the time of Uzziah's death. It's not entirely clear from Scripture if the people despaired or were just indifferent. The seamless transition to Jotham may not have disrupted their lives a whole lot. And we have some clues that their focus was not particularly on the temple anyway. Even though Uzziah initially did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, an odd reference tells us all was not well in Judah land. In 2 Kings 15, it says... Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. What an odd thing to say, unless you know what the high places were. Imagine, if you will, 
When we occupied the land the church is on today, all those years ago, we discovered a shrine for Buddha. Buddha. Only we discovered it on the extreme east end of the campus, well after we built the initial school building and basement sanctuary. Now, let's just say for the sake of illustration, Pastor Gherkin knew about it, but just didn't get around to taking the statue away. Now, if you understand Buddhism, you know that a Buddhist would not mind worshiping Jesus and paying reverence to the Buddha at the same time. And let's just say, for the sake of the illustration again, that Pastor Gherkin knew Buddhists were joining faith, so they could reverence the statue whilst being members of faith. Now, those of you that still remember Pastor Gherkin, would he have ever let that really happen? I think we can all reply with a resounding, no. But this is what almost exactly happened in Judah, only worse. Not only the original residents held on to the worship of Baal and Asherah, but the Judeans joined them too. So they just may not have cared at all that King Uzziah was offending Yahweh. This odd reference to the high places becomes a revelation of just how far Judah was slipping from the face of the one true God. And just as that leadership change did not disrupt their lives from Uzziah to Jotham, Likewise, our lives also see little disruption by Satan's design, so we can slip away from God as well. Too often, we go to the high places of our culture, which blend our communion with God into worshiping his creation rather than the Lord. Many times we have worshiped at the churches of false doctrine so we can be with our friends. Other times... We just slip into the malaise of satanic sleep and flat-out worship our pillows. Been there. Done that. What? You didn't know I take vacations and skip church just like y'all? Okay, well, only a couple of times. But Satan definitely sweet-talked me into sleeping in on a Sunday a time or two. Isaiah's vision was for Judah, and for you, and me. And it should terrify us. Don't let anyone fool you. Isaiah is scared today. Scared like the people of Judah were when they heard this prophecy in the midst of their apostasy. Up to this point, all is pretty calm, and God sends the prophet Isaiah to shake them up and wake them up. It's as if God is saying, I am the one true God, and you suggest that you're worshiping me with those filthy Baal and Asherah confessing lips? And just imagine the gasp from the false believer's lips realizing that if Isaiah is lost, they will surely be cut off, ground up, and trod underfoot. Game over, man! But then, the miraculous gospel is proclaimed. Their sin is burned away. No matter what Isaiah did, no matter how long he did it, it cannot survive the crucible of God's love and forgiveness, which purifies the corroded hearts of humankind. 
For just as the foundation of the threshold shook in Isaiah's prophecy, so the city of Jerusalem shook at the death of our Lord Jesus. Jesus was the burning coal of a sacrifice which purified us and burned away all our sins. Even the fires of Rome couldn't compare in scale to the destruction wrought upon the sinful creation which made us sinners into saints. And just as the smoke filled the temple in the vision, a revelation of God's presence so the cloud occluded the Mount of Transfiguration that revealed Jesus as our Savior God, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever. Indeed, this vision should have terrified the Judeans in Isaiah's day, and we as well. For our sins are great, and every day we need them burned away. But it should comfort us even more, because God died for those sins. And his pure blood gave us the most complete acid washing our filthy souls would ever need. Because we have been cleansed of our sins. Because he has burned away our desire to worship his creation rather than him. Because he has scorched our desire to worship in false churches with our friends. And because he has fired us up from our satanic sleep. We can hear him say, whom shall I send? And we, who have been given our fiery faith, will reply, Here I am. Send me. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.